Hey everybody, welcome back to Up The Vibe and today I'm joined by James Rose who's going to give an update on the C5 UK and also talk about these recent interest in Rama. Hi James, how are you doing? Hi Joe, yeah thanks very much for, for having me, pleasure to be with you. That's great to have you on. Um, actually firstly I'd like to hear a bit more about your background um, in your career sure. and, uh, and how you got into the UFO topic. Yeah of, of course, so uh, yeah so I, um, I, I've had a, a, a really sort of Heinz 57 varieties career. I, I, I suppose really now I've, I've had about four careers total in my, my professional life. Uh, I graduated from university. I, uh, I went to work in the media. So I worked uh, for ITV2. I helped set up Britain's first digital television channel, ITV2. So that gave me a strong appreciation of, of uh, mainstream media um and you know messaging really and putting messages out from there i went into uh, what i just would still describe very fondly as one of my happiest times which is uh, i became a software project manager uh, producer in the computer games industry um, i'm a big gamer still uh, and uh, and that was a wonderful to learn how to sort of you know project manage a development team and understand programming uh and um you know so this all, all different skill set from there i actually i followed my heart i'd always wanted to be a film producer i then went off and, and learned sort of large scale i was being a producer i would describe it as business project management really more than anything else uh learned how to do that uh, um you know really taught me great sales skills as well selling to distributors and investors etc cetera, etc cetera. uh and then uh, 2008 financial crisis um uh, uh, unfortunately dropped a nuke on that career uh, and I then went off and I uh, moved into the world of professional medical indemnity and um, defending doctors from claims of clinical negligence so I did that for over 10 years uh, and then most recently I, I had my first stint uh, helping to run an organization as MD and and became uh, uh, managing director of an organization called Confederation of British Surgery which is the first ever uh, trade union for, for British surgeons uh, which is a wonderful experience and I am now um, putting finishing touches to, to setting up a business, which we haven't launched officially, but that's going to be hopefully um, greatly helping the British public uh, get um, healthcare uh, going forward, despite you know all the, the the mess that's happened in the course of the past couple of years. So I, I've got um, my skill set's always been uh, it's quite diverse. It's touched on IT, yeah. IT project management, media, marketing, sales. It's given me a very rounded uh, thing and, and the ability to, to apply, you know, um, to, to help organizations establish infrastructure and, and deliver services on a nationwide basis is something that I've, I've had experience of. So I, I um, Susie, as you, you said, just talking how, you know, that that I ended up applying a lot of those skills, trying to help get C5 UK off the ground. Sure. Um, I attracted a lot of criticism for it as well, because <laughs> Uh, a lot of people thought initially incorrectly, uh, you know, for for a while that C5 UK was trying to establish it as a, itself as a as a big corporate, which nothing could be further from the truth. Um, but yeah, so so you asked how I initially came into the the phenomenon. Well, yeah. Um, so I mean, we met. Gosh, was it two years ago? And it was yeah, from yeah, the C5 that. app that Stephen Greer yeah. put out. Um, and also with uh, another guy called Paul, which who actually it was our, he was our, my first episode with Paul. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so he and, and you, we met in the pub, we, and we we're talking and um, we wanted to basically establish a local C5, didn't we? And, uh, yeah. and it's all grown from there. So tell me how, yeah. how did you, I guess, 
find well, out about Stephen Greer, the whole UFO thing. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the same for, for all of us. I think it probably was the same for all of us, really. I mean, during that, um, for, for I, and I've been into the, the UFO phenomenon for a very long time. I, I mean, no, notice the distinction in terminology. So the old school UFO phenomenon, and then there's a C5, or, or as, as a lot of people want to refer to it now, as the human-initiated contacts of extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I back in, uh, for me, this whole journey started when I was at university, and uh, it, it, it started to, to gain momentum recently when I watched the Stephen Greer. I'd seen all of Stephen Greer's documentaries up until Close Encounter of the Fifth Kind, but the Close Encounter of the Fifth Kind was the one, I think, the same for you and the same for, for Paul that really spurred us into action. Um, I've had an interest in all this for over 20 years. I think in the early 1990s was a big um, shock moment for me where the whole phenomenon was concerned because I read Timothy Good's book, Alien Liaison, which was about the the principle that that Robert Lazar had worked at the Groom Lake facility, back engineered, crashed UFO technology. And this whole uh, concept of you know the secret government or whatever terminology you want to call it the deep state the the military industrial complex never quite sure how to refer to it but was obviously there acquiring information and the US had, had developed a lead over this over everybody else so I was fascinated by that idea uh, and and you had to for me what was very plausible about the whole thing was the fact that there were so many senior ranking members of the military the intelligence community um, former astronauts that were coming forward saying things for me that was very telling you know having worked in, in conjunction with the the you know uh, stuff relating to healthcare in with where the healthcare is concerned you always take whistleblowers very seriously indeed and you should so why should they be any less plausible if they're coming out of the military the intelligence community or, or the aerospace sector mm-hmm. so but i think the thing that really pushed me uh, my my interest even further was uh, when I was at university, I did um, a degree that I never thought I'd use for anything. Uh, I, I was I grew up in a small town in Somerset, and and for us, uh, I went to a school, and the, the school was fantastic, but it was really a production line to get kids to university. So I knew that I had to get out of this small town, Somerset. So I went to university, and I uh, I did anthropology and sociology. So anthropology is the study of indigenous peoples and the groups mm-hmm. of people sociology is the, the study of the structure of society and philosophy and, and theories relating to that yeah. and um, I went and wrote my dissertation in Australia and what I became aware of when I was there was that there were caves all over the northern territories with thousands and thousands of, of images of what you could only really look at it at, and, and this was at the time when the X-Files was on TV and these images were from my eyes they looked like greys grey aliens mm-hmm. And that these cave paintings were over 4,000 years old. Yeah. Now, what was amazing <clears throat> yeah. was at the time that I was over there and I sort of had this, this light bulb moment, I thought, hang on a second, why aren't we interpreting this literally? There was a, I became aware of a conference taking place in the United States that was given by um, uh, one of the spiritual leaders for the Native American Indians called um, uh, Standing Elk. I think he was a Lakota tribe. I might be wrong about that. Um, uh, uh, Dakota tribe. I, th- I, I can't remember exactly which tribe he's from. He, he later went on to become a chief golden white eagle. Um, but, but when he organized this conference, he was standing out. And at the time, Sergeant Major Bob Dean, who was a big um, voice for the, for the UFO community, was really getting behind this conference. And it was published in uh, a magazine that uh, has got a sort of global uh, readership called Nexus. And I found out about it through that. And it was 
the Native American Indians were squarely coming forward and saying, we've had contact with extraterrestrials going back thousands of years. Now, at the time I read about both the Native American Indians and the Aborigines, I then became aware of the Hopi, the Dogon, and a huge number of other indigenous peoples that were all claiming contact. Yeah. Now, the, the arrogance of academia and, and the West was that, oh, clearly this must all just be symbolism and mythology. Yeah. When actually the indigenous peoples were, were saying, no, this is real. And so the Native American Indians held this big conference in the US where they, they said, look, it's time to tell uh, the Western world we've had contact. It's been going on for thousands of years. And it's it's we need to tell you this. Uh, and initially, I, I couldn't understand where all of these indigenous groups were concerned, why or how it was possible that a potentially more advanced uh, extraterrestrial race was contacting a far less advanced uh, indigenous peoples who had barely any technology compared to the rest of the, the civil our civilization. Mm -hmm. uh, over a period of, you know, it wasn't really until Greer's work came along that that penny dropped and when I started to break it down and reanalyze the Aborigines, the Native American Indians, I realized that actually all of them have what we would now refer to as a technique for achieving expanded consciousness and that the contact was taking place around that. So when Greer's work came out, a lot of things clicked into place. I realized that that actually this was this was connected with consciousness and but this is such a sort of left field idea for, for most people uh it, it, i found it took me there was a sort of a, a period of time where i had to sort of reconcile this idea with my own beliefs and and really understand it properly that took a bit of time but then, then we got there and i think i think after i saw greer's work i felt a really serious call to action and that started off with, you know, I mean, we were all having to thank uh, downloading his app. That app was was hard work, I must admit. Yeah, it, it wasn't great, me. but it, it actually connected people yeah. that you wouldn't think of meeting. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It took, it took about three months to find you and Paul. I was so relieved to finally have people I could talk to about this. I can't tell you. And I think over the yeah, over the course of the past couple of years, I think that's been one of the most wonderful things that's, that's taken place for this community across the world is that now people have got you know you look at us I mean, we've got we've got a big group of friends now we can talk yeah. to about this and, and i think that and people people think that this is well it is obviously um, about initiating contact but actually when you've talked to people about the various events one of the key takeaways has been this sort of ability to meet people like-minded people and yeah. talk uh, meditate learn learn yeah. spiritual practice there's been a lot more to it that i didn't envisage initially you know um and the whole kind of pointing your camera up at the stars and seeing uh lights do different yeah. weird things and saying oh is that a satellite you know is is a part of it but isn't people think that we're all kind of you know sitting there crazy with our cameras doing all that but it's actually it's a bigger thing than just it is just the initiating contact aspect and i think um i wish that was more well known outside the people are maybe skeptical or mm. or think that this is all you know a bit woo so <clears throat> Yeah, so can you tell me a bit more about how you actually did get involved as it, within the C5 ambassadorship? Because I know yeah, I was really so, impressed so, how quickly and how effective you were at doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, when I when I first came to it, what, what I saw, I mean, going back to that point earlier on about my my experience and the ability to to um, apply 
um, you know, organizational infrastructure uh, uh, lessons to something. What I quickly realized is that, is that, you know, for me, this call to action was about what could I do? How could I help? try and get more people out to do this i mean you you know yourself we went we did that we, we put ourselves through a period of training and then after about three or four weeks we went out for our first session and to this day i'm i i believe very strongly that we saw something on our first session and the second session which was actually wonderfully timing was a year ago today uh i think it was 21st of december was it last year or, 20, or the year before um so, I, no, I, I think it was last year. It yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we had a really profound experience. Mm -hmm. We saw something, I mean, and you wish you you got part of that on video. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've got a collection of things, which I've, I've kept to myself for the moment. Maybe I should stick <laughs> them up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so I felt this call to action that I needed to, what, what could I do to try and get, help to create uh, a community of people that could quickly um, talk to each other, share knowledge, share information, and get more people out doing this. Uh, I mean, it, for me, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty straightforward. The, the, the thing that I think present, pr stops more people from uh, embracing the concept that we're not alone in the universe is this old fashioned childish view that you have to see it with your own eyes. Mm. Well, nothing's more powerful than the CE5 from that point of view, because if you go out, you fundamentally embrace it, and you've got the right attitude and approach to it, and you're prepared to really go for it, you probably will have an experience. And, and look, we've, we've had loads of experiences of course the past year. Yeah. Um, and so that was it. It was, it was, I had to, I had to apply what I'd learned in my professional life to this and try and get something up and running really quickly. So it took, I don't, but I, I don't want to sit here and take the, the credit for this. The, the, the reality and the truth of the matter is that it's taken an awful lot of people like-minded people have have had the same level of passion and have given up their time uh, uh, to, to help push this whole thing forward. And I think really it was just a question of, um, the only thing I did was I, I was able to join some of these dots and then get all of these amazing people just rushed in and just together, we all got this, this thing set up. Uh, so it was from setting up that first group I knew then I just felt again that call to action and this all all this this for me this call to action may well have stemmed from a contact event um for years and years I, I don't mind admitting this I'd had sort of nightmares about um abduction and things like this uh and shortly after Greer's film I think it was it was about a year ago last May June time I had a really vivid dream of um I was lying in my bed at home uh, and all of a sudden the, the roof got lifted off the house and uh, uh, a ship uh, hovered over and a door opened in the ship and I could see quite clearly that there was a, a being in there looking at me and I didn't I'd had that type of dream before and felt very scared this was the first time I'd ever had a, a dream like this I didn't feel scared at all I felt excited and I took that as a sign I just had to I had to go I had to start doing something to help um and that that then it all started snowballing so from there I we, we set up uh we got a load of interest what I first started doing was I started looking on I looked on Facebook and realized that there were all these disparate groups all over the place uh, which was kind of representative of, of the movement for the past few years is a, we've got a lot of little groups acting almost like a guerrilla basis operating underground mm -hmm. and I just thought 
you know that that in itself was cool to keep keep movement going but it kind of, kind of got to the point where you know we've got to get this out in the open a little bit more and and people need to know that we're there what we're doing and actually this is this is credible this isn't tim for tim tim for hat brigade mm-hmm. yeah uh, and that there's proof and evidence and you can only have to go and, and see you know uh, video footage uh, photos on the internet uh, and to know that people are dropping this all the time um on social media so i just started joining the dots between a lot of these groups different parts of the country contacting the the admins or the group leaders and saying look you know do you want to be part of something that's a bit more across the whole country if we can get everybody talking we can then get representatives from all these different groups to sit on a council share information quicker establish what is good and and isn't good practice um and just build a build a community uh that, that sort of hadn't been speaking to each other properly before that and it, I couldn't believe how quickly it all it all came together. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, there was a lot of pushback from a lot of people. I think, as I said, I, mean, I got so much grief. Uh, um, and that was the thing. I think it, it was, it. I, I've reconciled it and I, I put it in context now. I understand it. But I got so much pushback from people because they were scared that we, that actually what's happening is that someone was trying to corporatize the CE5 network. And that wasn't the case. I just wanted to put in place something that would, you know, create the basis of a proper community mm-hmm. that was interconnected where people could talk share ideas a bit more quicker and that that was able to to you know uh, one person in one part of the country didn't quite understand how to get a group up and running he could li- li- liaise with you know you guys alex holly in the northwest or or you know nat in east of england and they could get that knowledge and, and then get something up and running I think the the only I think what I've learned though in hindsight about setting up this whole network was was really that the type of skill set that you need to get a groups these C five groups up and running you need real organisers, and and that in itself that sort of driven skill set is not as common as you think. We've got a massive number. I mean, so there's seven thousand interested people in the UK in C five. It's amazing. Yeah. I think it's grown by probably about thirty five to forty percent in the space of the past 12 months alone it's, it's massively grown yeah. and we've gone from i look i set up c5 uk facebook group on in july of um in july of 2020 so it's, it's it's basically it's about a year and a half old now and and in that time it's now got just under 2100 members so it's, it's gone through that kind of growth yeah. and a large part of that is people just going and watching that c5 documentary of greer's on either Amazon or Netflix or wherever it wherever it's been, and that's driven a lot of growth. So, although Greer gets a lot of criticism, he also needs to take a lot of credit for helping get this message out a lot more. So, uh, yeah, he, he needs to take some credit, but equally, that's that's the basis of of a lot of the criticism within the community at the moment, which stems from the fact that there are a lot of people flock into this that are trying to make money out of it. Uh, I suppose it's just it's all we're dealing with. It's just human nature, really. Um, but then you, you've also got to take a step back and say, well, look, uh, in terms of that, if people are spending money to to do things within the community, they do deserve to get their money back. I mean, I, I've probably spent a couple of hundred pounds uh, of my own money on, on all of this. I've never once looked for trying to get that back in any way. I'll do it for the passion and the love of it. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if there are people that are out there regularly giving up a lot of time and it's costing them potential income from a day job or whatever, they probably maybe do deserve to, to recoup. 
but you looking at this i think as a as a profit driven money making venture is equally very dangerous and and yeah, not money is the root of all evil isn't it really, I guess. yeah absolutely yeah, i think we need to um get a, a good balance as you say um yeah. so have you got any updates from the c5 side of things for for the next year that might be of uh, yeah. note yeah, absolutely. Well, tomorrow night, I mean, I hope you, you you come along, Joe. We've got the review of 2021. We've got the the meeting tomorrow night, um, which obviously you're, I hope you're, you're coming along to, where all the group leaders are coming along. We've got, um, from the US, uh, Joseph Burks and Renerio Hernandez uh, coming along. And what we're going to do is we're going to discuss the experiences that all the group team, all the teams have had over the course of the past 12 months. Um, and with Joe and Ray there, try and um, learn from it, understand it, because as, as you know, it's, it's uh, <clears throat> these experiences are um, sometimes very difficult to describe. Uh, uh, and 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 what's it? I think one of the one of the team members has coined a term that is a really appropriate, which is experiential. Um, you know, sometimes it's. You know, a, a group of people are having a, a sensing something, uh, which is sometimes they, they can't see, are uh, you know, all feeling something at the same time. Sometimes these experiences are, you know, they, they're, they're seeing something or seeing some sort of visual phenomenon. Um, but I mean, I'll come on and speak, speak about Rama in a minute. Um, what, what I think the main thing that is clear is that there is a plan being executed. And I, pers my personal philosophy, I wouldn't say this is, is a, uh, I don't want to speak on behalf of any group at all, uh, uh, just myself, is that I think if we are dealing with an advanced species or a multi-dimensional species that have technology that can interface with consciousness, I think a, a lot of people at these um, C5 fieldwork sessions are being scanned on an individual basis and some people are having experiences depending on where they are in their their journey or, or what they can or can't uh, potentially, you know, uh, what is, an appro is appropriate for them. Because if you look at over the course of the past 12 months, there have been a variety of teams where not everybody has experienced the same thing. Best example is I think you went to Avebury in Wiltshire, didn't you, Joe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I think, a wonderful example of this. So from my point of view, breaking down all the witness testaments that came out of that, that trip to Avebury, and this is separate to the one that took place in September. This I think you guys went in July, August time, didn't you? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, this was astounding, but it, it seemed like there was a group of, there was a breakaway group of three people within the group that had a, a, a really quite a staggering experience where the rest of the group leaders, when well, this is when it was pouring with rain, were looking in a different direction, and we're seeing things in the distance that may or may not have been, you know, uh, uh, extraterrestrials or, or contact beings, or, or you, know, as, you know, possibly even traffic, local traffic. But it was clear that that uh, I think it was yourself, Carol, and um, what was the other gentleman's name? Rupert. Rupert. That's it. Yeah. And the dog. The, there was a dog there. <laughs> yeah. Donna's. And I think you all had. A very clear experience and that's that's yeah. symptomatic that's c5 i mean that's why we want to need to get ray and joe there tomorrow night to analyze this to help us analyze this because this is different people experiencing different things and as i said <clears throat> the explanation here could be 
if we're dealing with a race that's got technology that can interface directly with consciousness, I think they probably are. It is going to be entirely possible that different people in the team will have different experiences. Uh, but but you know that's that's a potential explanation. But but I mean, the, the, one of the best things about being able to have this event tomorrow night is that what we're seeing really, what what is needed now, is a return to almost sort of you know, ancient Greek style philosophy, where we can have these open discussions and and come up with theories, and listen to potential explanations, without any one person going it's this. You know, yeah. it's I, I very wonder. I did talk to you already about this, and I wonder if it maybe get meant get mentioned tomorrow. But um, I did talk about con- sort of joining the efforts of uh, uh, things like you know, do you know UAPX? It's a uh, a collaboration of people that are actually putting together. I think they've got several terabytes of data that yeah. they've they've built up over months, and they can't release it to the public because they're under an NDA um, to yeah. use it for a certain documentary that they're going to be putting out in uh, early next year but once that documentary is out they can actually release this uh, data to the public because it's not government generated so it's it's, you know it's it's privately generated um whether we can do something similar to that is actually i know we've got a lot of spiritual people in the group but a lot of spiritual people don't have an idea about how to collect data and analyze it yeah (laughs) and i think if we can try and get people who've more data orientated oh, involved uh, and we can just yeah. i don't know how, I, I mean personally i don't know what kind of data but there must be a ton of well, stuff that we could collect this that... is it i mean this is we went we went through this with with the the c5 uk network so so what we did was um we i sat down with a couple of retired police officers and who'd had experiences themselves and we designed the reporting form that was capable of outputting information that would yeah, potentially that, stand yeah. up in court now the, the challenge with that was this fairly complex form that then required training and and in the heat of the moment you know on these fieldwork sessions are people going to take aside to try and fill in this form and you know the, the 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 challenge that we we have as a community i think over the next year is trying to get more people to complete that form because it, it does it is good but you also have to as you said you know uh, embracing uh almost like a scientific methodology or an applied science methodology um, you know, it is, is I think, very important because, it, you know, we're building, we're, we're trying to build credibility in the eyes of the people that, that don't really think this is, there's anything in this. And, but and I think it will help us to get uh, it to a, a wider audience if we can build that credibility, build a, a data mountain to be able to present to the you know, British public, world public, whoever. But as you said, it's it's extremely it is extremely difficult because it represents how you how are you going to capture it. But also going back to the point we made just now, if you know that that um, you know we're dependent on certain senses for some, some of these experiences, so sound, vision. Um, but but you know if you're talking about uh, a contact um, uh, episode being an experience. Uh, I know of a couple of contact teams where where they've felt a, a really strange sensation. So it's not visual, it's not audio, uh, and and it's it. How do you frame that? How do you describe mm, it? Yeah, I think you know, I, I, can, I, I can say that when I go on these things and I can feel something's about to happen, I get like a tingling sensation mm-hmm. on my arms. I can feel yeah. it a little bit, and I can sort of sense something's building. Yeah, yeah. and you can't yeah. you can't record that. <laughs> No, that, that's it. So how, how do you describe it? How do, how do you how do you build 
data around that experience that then has credibility in its own right. It's, it's no matter what we position it, it's, it's challenging and difficult. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to brainstorm sometime and see if we yeah. can uh, try and, you know, collaborate with others, um, try and get not only visual data, but some other telemetric data whilst we're on a C5. Maybe one of the one of the bigger events that uh, where people get together and try and sort of collaborate that way. I mean, it's it's a long term yeah. vision. Um, I don't see it happening straight away, but you know, it'd be it'd be cool well, if. I think like you'd be you'd be surprised. One of the things I have been doing fairly recently is I've been reaching out to to people that are you know in the um, involved in some of the some of the UK universities that fall under sort of advanced theoretical physics. And, and I know that there's a general, many physicists are now at the point where they, they absolutely appreciate that they need to apply their own understanding to uh, consciousness. And, and this whole principle of the science of consciousness and trying to understand it through physics for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think what, what, I, what I'm probably gonna try doing over the course of the next 12 months is, is reach out to some of these individuals and say, well, look, is there a possibility? You might be able to tempt you to come along to some of these fieldwork sessions and you could devise potential experiments um, to explore this and try and understand it and and or you know or give them an opportunity to to uh, what's the expression to try and prove or refute you know either way it, but if they're prepared to embrace it and come along and, and research it then that could be hugely beneficial to the entire community yeah I'd actually the i think um bringing the academic community on board is, is pretty vital to this and I don't know if you've heard but today and, and this is recorded on the 21st of December the solstice obviously um yeah. of 21 and uh Eric Weinstein has uh, just put that he's going to join the Galileo project with Ali Avi Loeb and the work that I mean these two are, are brilliant minds uh yeah. that's would really put a, a stinger in the tail of all those skeptics within the academic community that say it's, oh, it's yeah. a silly subject let's not bother with it um when when minds like that get involved it it takes away the ability to say oh it's a, it's a bunch of loonies because mm -hmm. um yeah I've, I mean, I've 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 heard eric weinstein on his if you heard the portal that his podcast it's yeah and the stuff that he talks about is is mind-blowing and um yeah. and avi Loeb, what he's doing with the galileo project is is amazing and um his contacts within um the academic circle uh are quite large and a lot and he's getting shunned unfortunately that there are people out there that are saying you know um negative things about him but he's standing up strong and uh mm. it, it's it's going ahead so it's it's fantastic and i think i think broadly speaking um from my perspective you've got you've got a, a multi-pronged attack <laughs> to change the narrative on this you've got um i don't know if you know also know about the ndaa that's about to be signed before Christmas the, with the Gillibrand Amendment, and that's um, so. This this is an amendment that was put into the recent uh, uh, Defense Act in in America, the the National Defense Act, so authorization, which goes through, um, and it's it's gosh, it's seven hundred and fifty billion dollars worth of uh, money going towards you know various military things. So I don't, which I don't personally agree with, but but um, in there is this agreement that um, not only uh, will there be uh, more transparency about the information being collected within the uh, within the tenants community uh, around UAPs and anonymous behaviour? Um, but there will also be uh, groups set up to analyse it and look at it. So it mm. it sounds like, um, and this is more from the perspective that there's weird things going on out there 
how can you can you ignore it if this isn't aliens <laughs> then it's, yeah. it's obviously uh, an adversary with higher tech than us and it should yeah. be you know it should be looked at and, and transparency within the I, community. I think I I mean I, I, I'm going to come on to talk about this in a minute I mean I'll be given the, the permission of, of one of the C5 one of the C5 group leaders send a freedom of information request to the Ministry of Defence uh, a couple of weeks ago and I've got the response back and and based on looking at that understanding things like you, you've just described I believe very strongly that this all needs to stay and, and fall under civilian research uh, because I, I'm not convinced that the military have got the the right approach to to this. I, I mean, look, um, as we as we all know, if 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 they were a threat, then you could understand the military spearheading this. But they're not a threat. We haven't been invaded. We're not going to be invaded, and we all know that. Well, they might see us as the threat, you know. <laughs> a- absolutely yeah. right. Um, in fact, let me uh, let me read you an excerpt from this letter from the Ministry of Defence because oh, it kind yeah, of sums if you don't up. Mind. <laughs> yeah, of course, it kind of sums it sums everything up. Um, and and really, uh, when you when you, it, it, but it also speaks volumes that that about what they they probably don't know. So, uh, so I, I know he's he's been fine. I'll, I'll, I haven't put a, a message out from C Five UK, um, but but I I will probably probably before January. But he he got the letter back was dated seventeenth of December two thousand twenty one, and Simon uh, Benton of the the Nottingham team sent in a request, and he specifically asked for two pieces of information from the MOD. First was I'm very keen to know if any UFO UAP sightings across the UK. Uh, information since the year 2000. So he's, he's gone back and asked over a 21, 22 year period. And he's then also said, uh, I'm also after information on the events that happened in 1987 on the 12th of November over the Nottinghamshire area. So a specific event that he's trying to get information about. Mm-hmm. And let me read you their response. I have to be honest, I had a bit of a knee jerk reaction when I first read this, but but having now gone away and thought about it, a lot of it makes, makes sense. Um, I am treating your correspondence as a request for freedom of uh, information under the Freedom of Information Act 2000. A search for the information you have requested has now concluded. I can confirm that the Ministry of Defence holds some information in scope of your request. So that's a confirmation that the UK government has information um, that, that they are sitting on. The information that is held on UFOs and alleged encounters with UFOs within the department in the form of other correspondence and requests from other members of the public, section 22 of the FOIA allows public authorities to refuse requests if the information is intended for future publication. So from that point of view, it's kind of like saying, well, look, you know, this is sensitive information. You know, if you're gonna disclose this, you know, you disclose this for commercial gain, so from that point of view, you can kind of understand the position that they're sort of alluding to taking here. Section 22 is a qualified exemption, which means that the MOD must assess whether releasing this information in response to your request is in the public interest. A public interest test has now been concluded and the arguments against disclosure are considered to outweigh those in favor of release. While there is a measure of public interest in UFOs, the department has concluded that there is no overriding reason why the public should have the information that we hold immediately. Indeed, 
These records, which entirely compromise correspondence with members of the public, do not reveal anything new about the MOD's role in UFO matters. So, you know, they're sitting on information. They don't think it's in the public's interest to release it. Uh, but equally, you know, what they're also saying is, look, we, we don't really have a lot to do with this. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I believe that. I mean, it's easy if you've had any, any exposure to the UFO phenomenon to be very cynical and critical of, of government, military, aerospace involvement in this. Uh, they go on to say, Section 16 of the Act requires the public authority to provide advice and assistance wherever possible. I can confirm that all files related to UFO reports have already been transferred to the National Archives and further information can be found at nationalarchives.gov.uk forward slash UFOs. You may wish to be aware that the MOD has no opinion on the existence of extraterrestrials. I mean, that's that's a good piece of information to get because what they're basically saying is, look, we haven't got a bloody clue about this. <laughs> but there is information we've got. Yeah. And 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 that actually is is, you know, that to me speaks of uh, this now requires the support of the scientific community and the academic communities. You've just said, because the military and the defence infrastructure at the moment don't have a way of processing this or understanding this. Problem. And also there's an inner politics going on as well. Absolutely. Going back years. And, and I feel that it has to come from a, a from the civilian side. I think I completely agree with that for, for us to break the back of this. Yeah. And, but they, the one thing they do come on, this is this this is very positive. Um, you may wish it has no opinion, no opinion on the existence of extraterrestrials. This is because in over 50 years, no UFO sighting reported to the department has indicated the existence of any military threat to the UK, and it was deemed more valuable to prioritise MOD staff towards other defence-related activities. Yes, exactly, and that's the same in America. It's yeah. it's not a threat, so we're not interested because we're here to deal with threats. Isn't it? Well, <laughs> but but that is not you know by by retasking. So okay, so all of a sudden you're seeing ships in the sky. You're telling me that you're not going to send staff to evaluate well you'd want to know what it was yeah, no, that, that's the bizarre thing about the last Isn't 80 years is the amount so, of people that just almost put back. it under the rug as if it's absolutely so the, the, the problem with this is is it smacks that actually the wrong people are in charge and they have no clue what they're doing and they, and, and frankly and honestly there's a massive degree of incompetence that's going along with this mm. this is why actually you've got to say well look we know that in the united states and now with proof in writing from the MOD, they've been sitting on more information than they've been releasing, but they've also very likely been, been muddying the waters with disinformation. So to a greater degree, the C5 community globally is untangling the mess that they have created. And on that basis, we're doing, you know, the whole community is doing them a bloody favor, uh, as I've said uh, repeatedly. So, you know, they go on to say that you can, you can question the, the decision here. But I mean, in a you know, I think that the the position that I've taken with it um, personally, where all this is concerned for, for for a while now, is why would anyone demonstrate any interest in any organisation in this country or the United States that has got a track record of covering things up, not disclosing information or lying to the public? Yeah. These people have no credibility. I, I would just ignore them really yeah um the, the the reality is that that we can own with c5 if you practice it and you, you focused on it you can own that experience you can you can have something tangible you potentially walk out with proof from it what do we need 
the MOD or the British military for. They know it's not a threat. Well, fine. Go and do whatever it is you're doing or run over in that direction, organise a cover up over there. You know, <laughs> we don't need them. No, we don't need them at so all. So as I was saying, I think it's, it's a multi-pronged attack because yeah. this NDA, whilst it sounds good, I think what it's good doing is it's involving Congress in America, the Congress yeah. and the Senate, and next getting in their voice involved. Um, we've also got, as I said, the Galileo Project, UAPX, and another uh, some other things that are going on as well that I think are uh, could potentially show um, data from the civilian side. And then we've got this human-initiated stuff from CE5 and a growing awareness in the media. And I'm starting to pick up on that as well. And, and yeah. together with all this, the, the tone is different now. I think yeah. um, you're always going to have skeptics, but at some point, maybe this coming year, the skeptics are going to be the ones that are going to be called the tinfoil hatters. <laughs> the I, people I that say honest, there's no I, life I, out I there. think you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, I think, I think that people that have been laughing at this are going to be quickly regarded as the flat earthers, yeah. you know? No, and then that's what's crazy is when when you say anything um, that goes against the, the 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 orthodox narrative, you get called a flat earther. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you say, on the UAP topic, that's the only one I feel that's got the momentum to really change in the coming year. That um, would be would be quite exciting. Um, I know that there are other things going on. There's a lot going on in other areas, but um, I'm really interested in the the UAP area. Um, so I don't know if we could uh, move on to um, what you've Rama. been doing over the last six months yeah yeah, yeah i was i uh, well i mean i think i think from my point of view that the i heard very early on when i first got into this about an organization in in the in south america called the rama rama mission and and something they'd created called rama protocol and i i then found out about the, the predating stephen greer there was a uh, an organization coming out of i think it's peru um by an individual the, the one individual that's sort of kind of the rama equivalent of stephen greer is, is an individual sixto paz wells and he'd written a book called the invitation and rama protocol again is another mechanism for for humans achieving uh, contact with extraterrestrials but it's very different to ce5 so with ce5 you've got something called cts which is coherent thought sequencing which is effectively yeah. visualizing your location in in exactly where it is on the earth and then zooming out to you know earth orbit zooming back in again and projecting out, everybody projecting out that message um rama doesn't do that but they do um there's a lot of other things that they do that involving sound uh and and explaining the role that sound can have sound waves um and and it's a sixth month training course if you really embrace this I think the thing that's really impressed me early on about Brahma was the fact that it felt, it felt completely aligned with their goals. So they're really up front right at the beginning. They don't want to create a religion. They don't want to create a sect or a cult. It's not about trying to control people or, or manipulate vulnerable minded individuals. It's about learning uh, uh, a contact mechanism that during the course of which actually encourages you to become a better person and that you can't control or um, you can't control at all whether or not you will achieve contact with these beings. They will pick you. So in a, in a sense, it's a wonderful, you know, get out of jail card because you just think, well, I'll apply all of this. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to take that personally. It's it's just, you know, it's uh, I think the analogy I keep drawing, it's like training for the Olympics. Yeah. So, 
you know, it, it, there are no gold medals guaranteed, but if you commit to this wholeheartedly, the same way, you know, we've all committed to the CE5, you'll get a positive result anyway. Um, so, I mean, I think... So what is it, the commitment? It's a six-month training course. Um, you have to commit to uh, doing the sort of the um, Rama protocol. The, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, something they call called the Doma protection, harmonization. Um, which is a, it's supposed to be a daily meditative practice. It's only five, 10 minutes. It's, it's nothing really in terms of your, your general day, but it, it gets you into that, that spirit of it. But when you get, when you start to get into it, Rama is, is more, even more of a, um, I describe it. It's actually a, it's a lifestyle, uh, much more so than C5 is. So it's a commitment to further down the line. If you want to embrace it, it's the things like, you know, fasting every once in a while, you have to be mindful of your diet and what you're eating. The whole concept of, you know, eating other sentient life forms is not, um, they frown on it. It's not to say, look, you know, anybody who's not a vegetarian can't, can't do this. They don't do that. Again, it's, it's no, no attempt. Are they trying to coerce you or force you to do anything? Uh, but it's all the spirit in which it's done. And, and the volunteers that I've met so far have been such nice people. And again, it's, it's, it's that concept of not trying to establish a control mechanism, which is all the central idea behind the C5 UK network. It's not a corporate structure. It's not trying to create a religion or sect. It's trying to create a community of people all on the same level who communicate, interact, and get on with each other. And, and that's, that's what Rama has done. But only the difference between Rama and C5 is their proof is a lot more profound because the way Rama works is they teach uh, my understanding is I think initially they teach people how to they're trying to teach people to acquire psychic or, or telepathic abilities more but one a couple of people on the team will act as almost like the, the expression is antennae so they will get potentially you you go through these contact protocols and then you will get a, the antennae will receive a message of where and when contact is going to take place and they will I mean in some instances in South America they've 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 got the press to turn up to some of these events and then you know they turn up so um but but what rama have been doing starting to do as well is they're starting to explain the extraterrestrials thinking so rama are, are uh, adamant that what is going on at the moment is that we are at the, at the culmination of a contact plan that was potentially incepted six thousand years ago and then put into practice about 4,200 years ago. Now, going back to the point at the start of the, the call where we talked about uh, the, the, the pictures on the wall and the caves in, in, uh, in Australia, there's some of those are 4,000 years old. Yeah. So that time frame that Ron is talking about and actual practical real world assets that, that go to corroborate and, and you know, justify that, that theory are there. So for me, uh, I this this Rama resonates. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I'm at the start of this. I still myself at the start of this journey, really now. And and I haven't uh, I haven't because of family and having young children and career and everything else. I haven't fundamentally embraced the lifestyle aspect of it yet. But from what I can see, and the the you know the proof that they've acquired is really quite profound. Mm -hmm. and it but as i say go back to that point i made it it's not about it's easy to to fall into a trap of thinking well look if you're going to get picked you're training up for this you know if if i'm not picked i'm not worthy that's not the way to approach it, it it's it's whatever happens 
the right thing will happen if if i don't get a, but but i'm increasingly getting the impression that the training course is is trying to lay the foundations to prepare people potentially for manifested physical contact and i think that's for me that's the big driving force I, you know been trying to help big organization you know that all these different um c5 groups all over the, the country but i would like actively my 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 personal goal is i want to make a physical friend with a being from another dimension or another planet and and if i can genuinely achieve that i will be very very happy indeed i'd like to make <laughs> yeah. physical friendship with with one of these if that is genuinely if if i am capable of of achieving that but i think that the you you approaching it's like you are training for the olympic games is is the right way to approach it it is going to be difficult it's not going to be easy but it's a constant process of going within committing to healing yourself committing to forgiving others try not to be too judgmental um being as nice as you can be and if and it's it, but it's that those core values it's striving to be a better person yeah which I think is is a is a wonderful thing. I too. think that leans into some thoughts I've having having recently about um, and not stray too much onto the whole vaccine vaccine passport debate, but just to touch on that, um, there's a, there's extreme polarity in the world right now, and I, I I really feel that both sides need to find a way to come together right now. Yeah, and I, I forgive completely each other. agree. It's forgiveness, and that's what Ram has been talking about. It, it's mm-hmm. learning to forgive and try not to be judgmental. Uh, I mean, look, I, I read, we've all, over the course of the past few years, we've all read loads of different, uh, uh, I don't like using the same conspiracy theories, we've lo- read loads of different interpretations of information, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the one thing that that resonated most with me was an, an analysis of, of one very felt, uh, famous banking family, I won't name them, <laughs> and the, the, Begins with the R. idea, R. sorry? Begins with R. <laughs> they might do yeah <laughs> was the idea was that 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 it, going back several hundred years they'd been financing both left and right oh yeah. so in reality based on where the profit was to be made you know yeah so in reality and actually there is no left and right and there is no and if you apply that same sort of mentality to what's going on in the world with with this well look if you if there is no left and right then potentially you know whether you vax or anti-vax or whatever your position on that is is that again part of the same the same thing totally i mean, I, I mean I, i've read uh, recently the gods of eden by william bramley it's a really good book and that details to, in a nutshell and it's, it's very full of knowledge and, and a lot of depth to it but in a nutshell it talks of history going back to atlantis, atlantis and lemuria all the way through to um the kind of the current day and talks about this this brotherhood that are in contact with extraterrestrials and that it's kind of this network of um of secret societies and it it goes back to the priesthood in egypt um that they had the control the the ability to manifest and and control consciousness and but they kept all of that um knowledge to themselves and in these secret societies um and they've been basically been growing and ruling things ever since but as it's grown it could be just natural that um, you're going to have people in there that have one idea and then people in have the opposite idea. Yeah, and basically right. you end up um, seeing that this, this underlying network of powerful individuals with 
the ability to control consciousness or control timelines has basically funded both sides of wars and genocides yeah. and all sorts of things. Um, and it, a lot of the suffering that has happened over, over the years has been largely, largely in part because of this, these secret societies that people call, you know, or it's all conspiracy theory maybe, but it's, they are true. They're, there are, he names names, he names dates, and he talks all the way through like the Knights Templar, the Knights of Malta, all these things that are true. <laughs> we, we know about them. I, mean, I can go to Temple Church now in London and, and see the remnants of, of the Knights Templar. And we talk about, you know, the Crusades and all the different things going on there. And there's a lot to it that is in depth and shows this definite brotherhood, as he calls it, and this custodial control that has created the religions and the various things that have happened over time that have caused a lot of the suffering. Yeah. Um, but also, and this is maybe an analysis that I had, that not only have this brotherhood been the, <laughs> the cause um, in many respects of a lot of the suffering by finance on both sides, um, including the, you know, the rise of Nazism, but they've also been the catalyst for the growth of consciousness. So this kind of like this yin and yang aspect to to it is um, something that I took, took away from it that um, by doing that, the, we've accelerated in what, 6,000 years from being, you know, uh, relatively primitive to where we are now technologically. And I don't know if that's, if that's fast or slow compared to other beings out there. I'm sure there are technological advances out there, but the, the advanced, the, the, the speed at which this has happened may be in part due to this uh this force towards um basically growth through cataclysm this <laughs> order through chaos um the all-seeing eye and it's i'm not trying to say that it's, it's a good thing but there is a kind of a yin and yang aspect that they that our, our progress has been in part due to the cataclysms and you know is that kind of ability to analyze it from that perspective that gives me kind of a I don't know an ability to accept the, the past with all its misgivings in in a better way I, I don't know if that resonates with you but um yeah absolutely it, it, I mean it, uh, in general yeah you, being able to accept the past reconcile with it and and as I said I mean that the the, the principle of of forgiveness and and understanding that you know it, I think part of life and reality is that there isn't just one viewpoint there is there are many viewpoints and being um, accepting of other viewpoints, you know, I mean, look at look at all the arguments that have taken place in the world over the course of the past four, three or four years. You know, you've had arguments over Brexit, arguments <laughs> over Trump, arguments over the vaccine, arguments, you know, and that's because people are taking really polarized views rather than trying to be accepting. As you just said, it, it's it's you know, uh, I was reading in the Guardian yesterday the fact that there are. Um, you know that there are there are huge numbers of uh, healthcare workers in in the NHS that don't want to take the vaccine. Look, I mean, I, I, my position, I, I've had uh, I've triple vaxxed, um, but I do appreciate and respect the fact that that's an individual choice, uh, and I would never want to force someone into having. As soon as we get to the position of as a civilization where we start forcing people to have a medical procedure, I think that's that's unhealthy. But going back to that point, I'm trying to be. I want to be accepting and forgiving uh, and, and be able to have a, an informed, intelligent dialogue with anybody. 
I don't want to just go, oh, well, because you believe this, that, and the other, I'm not going to talk to you. As soon as we start doing that as a civilization, we yeah. fail. And, and Twitter is rife with that. And it's really unfortunate yeah. because I, I want to have, you know, conversations with the other side as a, well, not the other side, but you know what I mean? The, the people who say the anti-vaxxers are the, the, the enemy. And I want to have a, no. just a good, frank conversation with them and try and yeah. get them to understand I, me. But I just get yeah, name called. Exactly. Well, look, it's, here, it's here we yeah. are today. And this, this represents it, you know, um, I'm I'm vax, you're not. We're we're really close friends. It doesn't need to be a divisive factor. It need, there needs to be. You've achieved acceptance. I've achieved acceptance, and that's where we all need to be. We're this whole contact movement is about pushing the human race forward. But if the human race is divided, that'll never happen. So yeah. we have to start working on ourselves and and concentrating on ironing out our, our differences or, or at least respecting our differences to, for this to work properly yeah and um, i think um one of the good things is there is commonality i feel there's um amongst both sides of the vaccine argument um there is commonality about the vaccine passport and the coercion um and the mandate mandatory side of things that um i feel like the the majority of people are against um you know against that and i think um for me it wouldn't make sense if you are someone who's maybe been uh on, on the left um if you want to call it that and said you know my body my choice when it comes to abortion but then when it comes to um the vaccine no it's not your body your choice it's the state's choice um it kind of it, it goes against those principles that absolutely um, right it so, does uh, it, yeah. it should be individual choice uh i i do believe that very sincerely it, you can't you can't force as i said it, it's, it's the basis of democracy forcing, isn't it really <laughs> yeah so you start forcing a medical procedure on people you know i mean we've taken a massive step backwards as a civilization you know if you can't with love and respect talk to someone convey your side of it uh then you know you can't force people into 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 doing these things you know i mean i think the one of the most one of the big lessons that the business community is is going through at the moment is not having an entrenched viewpoint so um the, there's a real encouragement uh, i've seen in the senior sort of business community whereby they're encouraging people to to be prepared to change their position uh, and that's healthy because then it, it you know you're not fixed in one line mm -hmm. technology and civilization is moving at such a rate of knots now if you're an entrenched viewpoint you're probably going to be it's probably going to be at the expense of your organization yeah. so um i'm taking that viewpoint you know into into many things now and i i am um, you know i mean as you know we we had i think quite early on you and i had had arguments about about the vax but, but <laughs> not arguments but maybe strong discussions disagreements. With yeah, you. <laughs> yeah 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 but but you know that that didn't stop us being friends and and the fact of the matter is that you know i respect i fundamentally respect your position and i'm i'm in agreement with you you know and i don't i don't uh uh i i really don't believe that um it, you can force someone as i said to have a medical procedure i think that's that's really quite frightening that we as a civilization are, are you know in any way approaching that you know that i keep reading about the camps in australia and i just you know, you just can't. Do you think of the, it? Just sums up images straight away of concentration camps. I know, and, and, Germany, and that's my view. Yeah. Second World War, and just well, you know, what's that, going on in Austria at the moment is, uh, of all places, you know, with with the rise of Nazism that we've seen, that the places that are where what seems to be a sort of fascist control over this seems to be emanating is is of all places Austria and Germany, and in Austria, you've got people walking around, um, basically 
saying that it's right that the unvaccinated should be basically in that be under house arrest until they take the vaccine and it's it's yeah it's, but, I coercion mean, and again it's, it's jumping on this when the you know the counter argument from a scientific point of view is where's all the data about uh, natural immunity where well, all that's scientific it. i mean reports? for me it, if if i i was if i had um a kind of a balanced view amongst amongst the media across um you know therapeutics across natural immunity across the vaccine as a tool in the toolbox um against this virus and then and just a, a general sense of choice and ability to to um have informed choice and transparency about all those different avenues i mean um i would probably be okay i may even have taken the vaccine if i felt it was was safe because my view isn't isn't one about trying to be you know anti something i just i just want to do what's what i think is right for for me and and i, I mean yeah. if it if i had guaranteed there was not going to be any coercive control and vaccine passport then um it would be purely down to whether the vaccine works but there is that secondary side that if we got the whole world populated um the world uh, vaccinated then uh, the the step towards the vaccine passport seems very very small, and that 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 concerns me because obviously I'm more more about freedom and rights and mm. and dem democracy than I am about um, the, the health side of this. But on the health side of things, you know, if there was more um, media uh, push towards you know developing natural immunity, taking vitamins, going for walks, and and just gen easy things like that, that that, mm. then um, I'd be I'd be for more. Um, I guess for listening to the media and take and trusting them and in but right now I just don't trust them I don't listen to them because they are literally there's only one way through this um and for for people who are elderly and vulnerable maybe maybe it is a, a useful tool in the toolbox for them to to get through this pandemic but for for someone of my age and my health I feel like it's gonna it could be more detrimental in time so I've I've got to make that judgment for myself, not the, not the state, because everyone's different. Everyone yeah. has different immunity, and everyone has has different lifestyles and yeah. different concerns. So it's yeah, it's it's a complicated matter. Um, yeah. But we're, I think we're largely in agreement in, in, in various things. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to to bring up? Um, no, I just just other than to say uh, thank you, Joe, for for um, for for organising this podcast. I think the the um, I think the whole community needs to have uh, outlets and and be able to have you know more of this type of of, of um, more of this of this sort of type of, of discussion. Um, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a lot more uh, open sort of philosophical discussions on this. Uh, and, and, and as as the contact movement itself you know gathers pace and, and gets bigger, um, you know, being able to understand a lot of the things that we're going through is going to start becoming more and more important and 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 uh, open discussion about that so i, I yeah, just to say a thank you and and, oh, and, um, and thank yeah, you for your, your time and your your, your wise words you've been it's been really interesting um thank right. you james thank you very much joe yeah speak to you again